the children are staying, right? Yes. All right. <coughs> If you have your Bibles with you, um, we're going to go for the very last time to Ephesians, and we're going to go to the last chapter. It won't be projected on the screen, so if you have your Bible, it will help. I'm reading it from the New King James uh, Version soon. Um, let me see if this is working. Yes. As you know... The last couple of months we have been studying what it means to find our identity in Jesus Christ. And I call the series, Who Do You Think You Are? And today we're going to finalize it with the final sermon, which is based on the last chapter of Ephesians. And it's actually a very well-known chapter. Many of you have read that chapter probably many, many times in your life and I think when you're a Sunday school teacher or, you, or many years ago, you remember that chapter very, very well. Um, but over time, and I've read probably the Ephesians letter the last couple of months so many times, something started to shift in my mind the way I'm reading particularly the last chapter of uh, this book. So bear with me. It might be something so familiar to you. It's like, yeah, of course, the armor of God. That's what we're going to be talking about. Um, but it might still be something new that I'm going to the way I'm going to try to present it to you because it's important to understand who we are in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you to uh, go to Ephesians now, chapter six, verse ten, and I'm going to read till verse eighteen, and I'm reading it in the New King James. Perhaps you have a different version, but that's okay. Just try to follow me. It says this: Finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints." The full armor of God. Let's pray before I share the message. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is true. Your word is powerful. I pray that you will do exactly what it needs to do, Father. Your word never returns empty. So we believe in it. We stand in it, Father. We pray that you open our minds and our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
Have you ever been in a situation where a person in your life that you actually love very dearly and you know actually quite well, all of a sudden has perhaps a bad day in his or her life and she or he started to say something to you and you thought like, whoa, where did that come from? Any of you had that experience? For the married people in the room? (laughs) Any of you had that experience? Yes. Sometimes it seems that when the people that are very close to us and that love us very much, sometimes can say or do things to us that we think like, whoa, I never expected that to happen from that person. And we start taking a little little conversation, a little word, a little gesture, something that you weren't maybe even saying, but you were expressing it non-verbally. In a way that you said like, oh, this is very personal. I don't like this at all. Ever, any of you had that experience? I know I had. And it's all too common to sometimes be in um, our daily walk and take certain things in life quite personal in life. For instance, when you go to your work... And you might be working with colleagues that are really, really, really great and you really have a great time and you love what you're doing. But then all of a sudden your boss, you don't even realize it, had this bad day comes and he says something to you. And actually you know your boss would be really a great guy. And all of a sudden he says something and said like, whoa, hold your horses. Why are you saying that to me this way? It's amazing how sometimes we can take things personal, on a personal level. Even from people that we usually know as being loving people that, that, that want, to want the best for us. And that is very important for us to understand as we think of our identity in Jesus Christ. You will see that the armor of God has everything to do with who you are in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to explain that. The first point I want to make to you in this whole fight that we are fighting, because it's so beautiful to hear all of this beautiful declaration. You remember a couple of months ago when I was sharing all those declarations over your life. You're a saint, you're holy, you're accepted, you're blessed, you're all of that stuff. And you're like, oh, that's wonderful. But it sometimes sounds a little bit too good to be true. You know, but like, ah, that's all, all beautiful and stuff. But when the rubber meets the road, sometimes things look a little bit different. And all this identity stuff, which sounds really, really great in theory, in practice, it doesn't always seem to work that well. The first thing we need to understand, and that's why Paul concludes his letter, as he talks so much about identity in Christ, is that... We cannot take the fight that we are in 24-7 personal. Because the nature of the battle that you and I are in isn't natural, it's spiritual. I don't know about you, how you woke up. Maybe you had a struggle inside because you were fighting against the cold. So like, oh, am I going to take that cold shower this morning? Well, that's a small battle perhaps, but some people suffer big time because of that. Other people, they didn't have enough sleep. It's like, oh, I really need to have that cup of coffee. Because if not, the day didn't officially start. I see Lucy already. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Bring it on. Yeah, that's me. That's my talk. Whatever the battle is, some of the battles might be very natural 
You know, sleep, tiredness, that kind of stuff. But there are things in our lives that are not natural at all. And that we need to understand that the fight that you and I are fighting, that we don't even choose, we are enlisted in God's um, army, so to speak. We are soldiers walking hand in hand together. That sounds very like a military parade. We just had the 4th of July with the big military parade in Washington. You and I, when you signed up, when you became a believer, you became part of the, of the army of God because automatically you also signed up to become the enemy of the enemy of God. Now people might be scared of that in some ways, but that's just the reality that it is. And there are usually two reactions that are not very helpful. Either we think that the battle isn't really, really real. The devil is just, you know, with a pitchfork that you see sometimes uh, on those Hollywood, in those Hollywood movies and we exaggerate a little bit this stuff and we think it's just a fairy tale. While we actually know better, we have science now on our side and psychology and all of that stuff. And the stuff that you sometimes see from people being, you know, in bondage and stuff. Now we understand, oh, that's just psychology. That's one not so helpful reaction. Because the fight is real against our souls. On the other hand, what is also not helpful is try to look for a demon or something behind every little tree thinking that the devil is trying to get you. That is not helpful either. We are trying to find a balance between what is from God and what isn't. What, what is not from God here? So, whenever a person sometimes starts to pick on you, I don't know about you, but the first thing we need to understand that it's not the person that's against you. That is not our first response. We don't react by nature like that. When we have a reaction, let's say it's your mom. You get this phone call from your mom and all of a sudden the phone call that started out really, really nice, all of a sudden goes south and all of a sudden you're in a conversation and you wonder how you ended up in that conversation. Any of you experienced that? One thing we need to understand that sometimes the enemy of our souls can use people's mouth, people's weaknesses, so to speak, to aim something at you. To try to trick you, to try to let you fall in some way so that you do not walk in your God-given identity. That's why people are never our issue. The problem is never with people. The problem is that we, you and I, we are in a fight together. Whether we like it or not. We don't need to be afraid of the fight. We don't need to look for, you know, the schemes of the devil all the time where he might be trying to trick us into something. We are covered. We are secure. We are safe. We talked about that many times. But we do need to understand the nature of the fight. If you don't understand the nature of the fight, if you think that Christianity is all about you having a better day in life and God is not coming through because you had all of a sudden a bad day in your life, you might have been embracing a version of Christianity that's not even true. God wants you to be in heaven, of course. He wants you to be secure in Him, of course. But more than that, He wants to transform you. And sometimes that transformation process, that's a bit painful. There are moments that I think like, how am I going to battle this fight? How am I going to do this? 
And that is what the letter to the Ephesians is all about. is understanding, really, and not just in our minds, in our being, in everything we do and say, that we have our identity in Jesus Christ. And that brings me to the next point. You see, when we are in the fight, your part and my part is to stand firm in that identity. Let me repeat this, because this is so misunderstood so many times, and I'm going to show that to you. Your part and my part in the battle is not to shadow box the devil or something, like get behind me or that kind of stuff. It is to stand in your your God-given identity. Remember the sermons that I was preaching the last couple of weeks on identity. I'm going to go through them. And you're going to see how the armor of God actually is your identity. Belt of truth. This is not a dress, guys. This is something different. It looks like a dress a little bit. But this is actually how a belt looked like from a Roman soldier. And Paul is describing the armor of a Roman soldier. Remember, Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesians while he was in a Roman prison. So we saw Roman guards all the time. He saw these people all the time. And he saw the imagery of a Roman soldier. He said, you know what? I'm going to use the imagery of a Roman soldier to explain to the church in Ephesus what identity is all about. That is what the letter is all about. So last time, a few weeks ago, I said you need to stand in truth. You don't throw truth at unbelievers asking them to shape up or ship out. No, it's something that you start living by yourself. As you start imitating Jesus Christ, that is what God is asking from you and from me, to start walking the way He walked. Guess what starts happening? You start changing from the inside out. And all of a sudden you see that certain ways of walking that are not pleasing to the Lord are things that you don't even want in your life. That's why you see in Ephesians chapter 5 an entire sin list. Don't be a fornicator. Don't be somebody that's greedy. Don't be somebody that is trying to, you know, trick people into all kinds of stuff. Be dishonest and all of that stuff. Separate yourself from that. That's not who you are. And as you separate yourself from the lies, as you see what it is, not by feeling bad over that stuff, but simply saying like, you know what? That's not who I am. That's not my identity. Guess what starts to happen? Something starts to shift from the inside out and the way you walk in this world is completely different. You walk in the light and people start seeing it. Instead of you throwing all kind of the bad stuff that people are doing wrong, you are showing how it's actually supposed to be. Is it your power? Is it your strength? No, it isn't. Be strong in His might. That's how the chapter started. That's the first verse I read. So as you walk in the light... As Jesus walked in the light. Remember he said, I am the light of the world. And then he all of a sudden says to you are what? The light of the world. So what he is saying basically is, listen, when I live inside of you, you start walking in a way that reflects who I am. The belt of truth. Very important to understand. Another piece 
is this one here. I preached it a couple of weeks ago, last month. The breastplate of righteousness. You, when you believe in Christ, you accept Him as Lord and Savior, you stand in a right relationship with Christ and with God. You have access back to God again. And He looks at you, and He looks at me, and He says, Wow, you're my son. You're my daughter. I'm so pleased with you. I love you. Because He looks at the part that He regenerated, that He made new again. It's called being born again. It's in our spirit where that starts happening. So I am right in Jesus Christ. I am not afraid of saying that. Last time I shared that in the master's plan. Don't sell yourself out for, oh, I'm just a failure waiting to happen. I am just sin waiting to happen. Because of what you relate to in the way you walk and where you still do not get the things right. Because there is another process in place that God is still doing something that you cannot do yourself. That is the renewal of our minds. There is something already true in our spiritual nature. God God perfected us, made us mature, made us whole in our spirit. Can you see your spirit? No. You will need to accept it by faith that it's there. And it starts to work its way out also to the way you think. Because when you said that prayer and when you were born again, did that mean automatically that you had beautiful thoughts about everything? No. Still something needed to start changing in your life. And there's where Christians are in the woods very often. They think, oh, I thought God really changed me because I became a Christian and everybody around me, particularly my family members that are not Christian yet, is like, well, you say you're a Christian, but you act a little bit different sometimes. Ever heard that? It's because there is still a process that needs to take place that works its way out from your spiritual you into your thinking, wanting and desiring you. Does that make sense? There is something that from the inside out needs to start taking place. But you first need to understand that the first thing that God looks when He sees you is like He's well pleased with you. If you measure your sight by how well you're doing in life, whether it's your circumstances, your performance as a Christian, you will always think, no, there is still something wrong with me. It won't work that way. It needs to work its way out from the inside out. That's why we live by faith and not by sight. We walk in the Spirit. We do not walk according to the That's what it means. It simply means God, let's say the issue is anger. God, you didn't make me to be an angry person. I separated from myself. This is not me. You called me to be a loving God. And I believe that. And as you start depositing that faith, not in a mechanical way, but in a relational way, guess what God starts to do? He starts to transform you. You cannot change yourself. Have you ever had this thing? Oh, I cannot stop my thinking. Oh, my thoughts, they're just running wild. Like I'm getting crazy. Any of you? How do you stop it? By trying harder? Oh, that's not a good remedy. I Probably that's not the way to fight it. Your fight is to stand and believe. And as you see yourself the way God sees you, 
instead of this that you might have been believing for a very long time, and you deposit that faith in God, like God is your grace that transforms me. It's not me. I cannot change myself. It's what's already real in the spiritual you starts to work its way out in your thinking you, in your emotional you. Makes that sense? That's how people change. The breastplate of righteousness. The next one, look at these sandals. I call them Nike Air Jesus or Jerusalem. <laughs> I wouldn't like to, I don't even know how you strap these ones up, but anyway. The sandals of the gospel of peace. If you read the Ephesians letter, a big, big part of the letter to the Ephesians is all about the gospel. Remember that Jesus is our peace. He broke the dividing wall. We have access back to the Father. We have a church family where we have access to each other. We love one another. We have... It's all based on God's love. You cannot stand on the gospel if you don't first see, hey, wait a second, God loves me so much. Because if He didn't love me that much, why on earth would He put His Son through everything He did and nail Him on the cross? That needs to be settled once and for all, instead of your little circumstance in life that might be saying something very different. I had it many times. Many, many times that I allowed the circumstances in my life to determine how well I was feeling, how well I was doing. And all of a sudden negativity starts to set in. It's the renewal of the mind that needs to take place. But you need to know where you're standing on. You're standing on the rock. You're standing on your salvation. And let that be more than enough in your life. Oh, this is a nice one. Could be from a war movie or something. The shield of faith. We stand. Remember, it's all about standing, not about doing. It's about standing. That's all you do. You stand in faith. Because we are, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, we are saved by grace through faith. When you take faith out of the equation, it's not necessarily something you do. It's something you receive. If you take faith out of the equation, you only walk by what you see in your life, God can never operate with His grace in your life. You might have a prayer, you might go to heaven one day, but you still live a defeated life. Because what God desires to do in your life, into my life, is to transform you. Your identity is in Him, not in what you think it is. He wants to transform your thinking. He wants to transform your emotional roller coaster. And the only way for Him to do that is when you deposit that faith. It's just being on the receiving end. It's like, yes God, I believe that. And as you open yourself and you walk by faith, guess what God wants to do through His Spirit? He starts, oh you want that? Beautiful. I start working. And I started doing things. And all of a sudden, the anger or whatever the sentiment might be in your heart, all of a sudden starts to change. And you wonder how it, how it happened. It's like, I didn't try harder. As a matter of fact, God changed me in ways and I don't even understand it. But one thing I do know is that He is true, He is faithful, He is just in His love. You know that you are a workmanship, God's artwork, 
I, I see it a little bit like this. Let's suppose I put a big tarp over your heads right now. Big tarp. And God is working and shaping. You know when you're in an exposition or something and all of a sudden you take the tarp out and say, Ta-da! <laughs> That's you. God is shaping you. God is molding you. God is transforming you. You're His workmanship. He looks at you and says, like, Oh, this is so awesome. I'm going to make something so beautiful out of it. But it is by grace through your faith. And faith that will exactly kill all those doubts, all those little whispers in your mind that you sometimes think it's your thought. Why am I still thinking this way? Why am I still hearing those ugly words in my mind? Newsflash, you're in a battle. Those thoughts might not even be yours. It's simply somebody that tries to get his way from the outside in again. Try to make you believe certain things about yourself or about God. That's why faith kills doubt. It kills, it quenches the fiery darts. You never know when a darts, fiery darts are being aimed at you. It might happen all of a sudden. You have that phone call with a relative or somebody, and all of a sudden that person, without realizing it, we're not fighting the battle against people, remember? All of a sudden says something, and you think it's the person. It's not the person. It's the spiritual reality behind the whole thing. And sometimes... We ourselves can be used in that sense as well. If we are not walking in our identity. The helmet. Oh, I love those war movies sometimes. I always said, like, Janine, if you don't want to watch it, but I love, you know, Braveheart and, 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 and well, so there are some others as well. Joshua like more the, the Marvel ver- versions of it. But look at this. Walk around with a helmet. Isn't that amazing? Remember all those declarations I did over your life. You're a saint. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint. God looks at you through Jesus Christ. He has fully accepted you. You're holy, set apart, and you are redeemed. You're totally forgiven of your sins, past, present, and future. And His Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, one day, if Jesus doesn't come back before that, when you die, one day you have the security, the assurance that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will raise you up as well. That's our salvation. It's not just a prayer to go to heaven. It's heaven getting back inside of you. And as that happens, of course your destiny is heaven. But it's not first about you benefiting from something. Your salvation is trying, is actually so much more than that. The Greek word sozo, it means make whole, preserve, heal, protect. It means much more than what we think it is. It's not just this little prayer and now we are in a book somewhere and one day we show up in heaven. Because that doesn't necessarily transform our lives. That's why I preach so often about it. Listen, if you think it's just that reduced version of the gospel, then you will still walk around with the same fears with the same doubts, with the same self-image about yourself, with the same thoughts about how ugly you are, because you do not like the reflection in the mirror, and that God is trying to take off. He's trying to take off the entire lie, the way we think, the way we feel, all of that stuff. When we access it by faith, believing that our salvation is secure, we start looking at ourselves very, very differently. 
You see that the armor of God is so much more about who we are than what we are trying to do. I don't know about you. If you think that the armor of God is something that you all of a sudden need to do, you will always be too late. If you put your armor off and all of a sudden you're being attacked, it's like, oh, I'm being attacked. I need to put the armor on. It's already too late. It's a done deal. It's over. If you don't use your shield of faith, you put it down. It's like, yeah, I can try to exercise my faith a little bit later. And all of a sudden, bang, it comes. The fiery dart. Guess what happens? You get wounded in battle. Big time. Do we understand that each and single, each and, how do we say it? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, help me out here. Each and everyone. Yeah, I was wondering why you meant it, but now I understand it. Yes. Each and every body part, armor of God, we need to use it. We cannot just choose, okay, I am saved and that's it, and not exercise faith. We cannot pick and choose saying like, well, I, I believe faith, but you know, this righteousness stuff, I look at myself and I see anything but a righteous person. I see a sinner. Sinner, sinner. I get it wrong all the time. If you look at yourself, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in your life. You're simply validating what you already believe about yourself. We need to use the whole armor of God. We don't get to pick and choose. Every single part we need to use. And God has given it already to us. Remember the gospel of peace? Sometimes I hear those things like, Oh, Pastor, can you please, can you please pray for peace in my life? It's just, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm so anxious about all kinds of things. Of course we can pray for peace in your life. But if you don't stop changing your mind about how you look at yourself and your circumstances, the next time that a difficult situation starts to knock at your door, you will respond the same way. And you're again on somewhere on a prayer chain wondering like, oh, I hope that God will come through and give me peace. Of course He wants to give you peace. But even more than that, He wants to transform your way of thinking. You can do it. He needs to do it. Through the Spirit of God. And that's where we end up with these two beautiful weapons. Because it's not just, we are not just on defense mode, guys. We are not just on defense mode, trying to make it in life. We are a Christian. Oh, it's so hard, this Christian life. It's so hard. It's so difficult. God has given you the sword of, of what? Of the Spirit. And what does it represent? The Word of God. He has given you the Word of God. Don't look at it just as one dull book from many, many years ago, wondering if, uh, well, I don't understand the stories, and put it aside. I will just listen to Pastor Patrick. Perhaps I'll listen to a YouTube sermon online, and that will be it. He's asking from you and from me also to actually use the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God, particularly the Gospel. Because it's the Gospel that truly sets you free. I don't know about you, but when you're in a battle, sometimes you see those war movies, let's say Saving Private Ryan, you might have seen it. What is very important is that you do it together. You don't just try to wander off by yourself. That is a bad idea. But the second thing, and that refers also to prayer, is that communication in a battle is extremely important. You need to know your position, you need to know where you're going, all of that stuff. When you're going through a tough time in life, your communication with God is very, very important. Because it's, it's in your time alone with God, where God starts to transform you by faith, that you deposit in His grace, 
that things start to shift. Now that sounds all very lofty, all beautiful and stuff, but you would like to know how that looks like in practice, right? Is there anyone very practical in the room? All right. Well, if we say that our identity is in Jesus Christ, it also means that Jesus Christ himself is our model for our identity in him. Jesus Christ is not asking from you, try to find your identity in me, and then everybody's looking at each other as like, I have no idea what he means with that. <laughs> Any of you sometimes wonder like identity or in Christ, and you hear that term all the time, and you start thinking like, I wonder what Pastor Patrick is actually talking about. I'm not so sure. You see, when we stand firm, when you and I, we stand firm in our identity in Christ and use every part of the armor of God, we don't pick and choose, and everything is already modeled by Him, only then we actually use the whole armor of God. If you only believe in God, you think, okay, now I'm saved, but you don't walk it out. You don't transform your mind by the grace of God. You will get wounded. That's why a lot of people, they walk around and there is no victory in life. Christian walk is, 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 is a drag. It's, it's difficult. It's hard. It's tough. We're just trying to make it. One of the most beautiful stories, and I'm going to finish here, is in Luke chapter 4. You can also read it in Matthew chapter 4. And it's where Jesus starts to show what it means to find your identity in Him by modeling it. In Matthew chapter 4 and also in Luke chapter 4, when He was baptized, the Holy Spirit led Him into the wilderness. Into a place that you and I probably would like to flee from. I don't want to be in the wilderness. But it was in the wilderness where Jesus was fasting for 40 days, and for sure he was communing with his heavenly father, that he was being tempted as well by the devil. I don't know about you, but when you read very carefully, what are the temptations of the devil? What did he say? Jesus, obviously, after 40 days. I don't know about you. When you don't eat for 40 days, if I, eat, if I don't eat for 4 hours, I already almost collapse. Can you imagine for 40 days? So after 40 days and 40 nights, the devil comes to Jesus... And this is what he does. Pay attention. See that it is connected to identity. If you are the Son of God. Do you hear it? Yes. Do you hear it? If you are the Son of God, say these stones to become bread. What is the devil trying to do here? Question, like he did in the garden, like he did with Israel as well, and they failed in the wilderness, questioning the identity of Christ. And what does Jesus Christ do? It is written that a man shall not live by bread alone. What is he doing? He's using the He's using the sword. He's using his faith. He knows that this provision is not just by what he just asked into existence. It comes from his heavenly Father. He's totally securing in God. Second temptation. The devil takes Jesus up to Jerusalem and he stands on the temple. 
It's like, you know what? Oh, you want to do a, a, a Bible quiz here? The devil knows the Bible as well. It's like, you know what? Throw yourself from, from this, this temple. You will make quite an entrance, by the way, into Jerusalem. And people will adore you because they see that you do something so amazing. And just ask the, the angels to protect you. Because it is written, look, <laughs> the devil now quoting scripture from Psalm 91. He will command his angels to take care of you. Free translation. And what does Jesus say? You shall not tempt or test your God. What were the Israelites doing in the wilderness? They were tempting and testing Him all the time. He was showing, Jesus Christ is showing to you and to me what it means to live your identity. To be secure in Him. Knowing that your provision is in Him. That when you believe Him and embrace Him and your salvation is completely fine in Him, that you'll be fine. And you will be able to walk this thing out. The Christian walk, you cannot walk out trying harder. Trying to have better thoughts. Trying to bite your lips, hoping that you won't say that nasty word to your boss next time. You don't know about you. It doesn't work very well. Finally, and this is important. I'm going to ask the musicians already to come. This Bible verse, and I said it many times, read it many times. You and I, we have been crucified with Christ. And, and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. The life that we live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loved us and gave Himself for us. When you are in Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you stand in that identity, looking into the mirror and say, like, yes, I am a son, I am a daughter, and I actually believe it, instead of trying harder. Many Christians try harder. You know how they interpret the, the armor of God? Oh, the gospel of peace. I need to preach the gospel more often. And they start a guilt trip. Oh, I'm not doing it more often I, I need to do it more often. I, I'm not doing it. Oh, the shield of faith. Yeah, I need to have more faith. Oh, oh, help me God. I have such a lack of faith. <laughs> you see what easily happens? We talk ourselves out of something, not into something. God's desire for your life and for my life is to be transformed back into the image. Back into what we're supposed to be. When you go from this place... And you think about yourself and your life and your walk with the Lord. Let it be that you can simply embrace this as your truth. Not as my truth, as your truth. As something that God is working in your heart. And as you walk it out, guess what? The stuff that you might not even like about yourself, it starts to shift. It starts to transform. Amen? Shall we all stand up as we sing a song? We're going to sing a song. That almost sounds like um, a baptism event. But that is what identity in Christ is all about. When you die to yourself, you're united with Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ living inside of you. That's what baptism is about. It's a public declaration saying, I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living the life of Jesus Christ. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith. Whose faith? Jesus' faith. Jesus believes in you. Don't talk yourself out of that. Ever. He loves you. 
He desires your life to match up in your way of thinking, in your way of feeling, in your way of wanting. And if you can just believe that and walk by faith, walk according to the Spirit, things start to shift in your life. Who do you think you are? You're a precious child of God. Let's sing it. Thank you.